Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Post Lunch. My name is Anthony Jen. I'm here with Kevin Hockenberry. Are you here? I am. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Hey, for those of us um, that are new to our podcast, we're located in the Central Florida area. So um, we went to lunch today, you and I. Yes, as we always do. As we do. We Uh go to the gym and then we go to lunch. Yes. Um, And today we went to a place called Flanagan's. Yes, we did. It was very good. But before we went there, we went to another place. Yes. And we're not going to mention this place because I don't want to give them a bad, um, you know, rap. Rap? Rap. Yeah. Okay. Uh, We sat down. It was a place. It's newer in my community. It's probably only a year or two old. And I've been wanting to try this place. And every time I go to try it, I change my mind. Uh, Because it's a certain ethnicity culture of food that I think you have to be in the mood for. (laughs) Okay. For me, anyway. Okay. Uh, So we finally went and said, hey, we're going to go. We're going to give a shout out on post-lunch. The food's going to be great. And we sat down and I I don't think their air conditioning was working. Something. Yeah, it was really hot in there. And we just left the gym and we had taken some pre-workout. Man, the heartbeat's going and I felt so bad. The owner comes out. There's nobody in the restaurant. That's a red flag at and, lunch hour. Yeah, and the owner's probably 55, 60. And he was sitting down when we walked in. And he's like, well, just, you know, sit wherever, you know. And so uh, we sat down. And then I, I think he went back to the kitchen to probably turn the grill on and kind of get ready to cook. And then who I, I imagine the young man that came out was probably his son or a relative. And he came out to serve us, and I just looked at him, and I just said, man, I'm I'm sorry. It's it's just too warm in here. I got to admit, when you do those types of things, I, um, I'm mad uncomfortable. Are you really? Yeah, I was just like, okay. I could tell. Okay. Because I looked for you, I'm like, it's 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 warm in here, right? And I looked at you, and you're just like, you're frozen. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't like the interchange, but it is, it is what it is. It was so. too hot. I can't be nauseous and eat at the same time. And the heat was making me uncomfortable. It was authentic to the region. <laughs> yes, very much so. Of the region of the world that food is from. Okay. But, but we will be back. We will be. I'm going to give another chance. I've been there before and, and the food is as as authentic as it gets. So I so, think you'll enjoy it. I so, honestly. So, so we went to Flanagan's. So we went to Flanagan's. And the reason why I said we're in Central Florida is because you and I are also from South Florida. Right. Many, many moons ago. And there is a Flanagan's in South Florida that is like. It's pretty good. It's a good place. It's yeah. like a sports bar type place and you get this like green cup with flanagan's face on it yep and you get to take it home with you yeah it's, it's cool. like a stadium cup yeah and if you like every floridian has one of those cups in their cupboard south floridian yeah yeah you you all have that green cup in there sometimes it's black depending on really i like never had a black cup. yeah it was always green that fun fact first time i ever had jalapeno poppers in my life was from there it was from flanagan's wow they put the ball in play for you bro so I, it changed my life wow a um, good jalapeno popper yeah yeah so Flanagan's in South Florida is a, I think is a good place. You get yeah, seafood there. Sure. There's the atmosphere is very um, beachy, nautical. It's definitely a few steps up from like Chili's and Applebee's and all that. Yeah, I yeah. mean it's a local chain. Yeah, but it's still a, a chain type of thing. Like you can get Flanagan's in Boynton Beach. You can get Flanagan's in West Palm Beach. I'm sure towards Miami they have one of those. Yeah, we had it in Fort Lauderdale. It's one in Pompano, I think. Yeah, so it. So we went to Flanagan's thinking it's. The OG Flanagan's. It's not. It's not. They spell it differently. <laughs> we learned that. Uh, we The first thing we did when we sat down, we said, no, we're from South Florida. Right. And she's like, no, nope, it's not us. I was like, oh, man. That's not us. Different store. <laughs> she did not. 
She didn't sound like that. <laughs> she did not sound like that. Um, but I knew right when we walked in that it wasn't the same Flanagan's, if right. I'm just being honest. You knew. You, you could tell by the logo and everything. But what's funny is when we walked in, there wasn't a lot of people there either. Right. And there was like eight dudes yeah. all in bright green shirts. <laughs> and we're like, there. hey. Yeah. <laughs> I thought they were having like a, a, a staff meeting or something. They weren't. Those were like some other workers. Yeah. They work for a company that makes them wear bright green shirts everywhere they yeah. go. So anyway, uh, it was good. I had the chicken cordon bleu. It was, it was fine. The fries were good. Um, you had the buffalo chicken sandwich, just a real easy, put the ball in play. Yeah, I would go back. I would go back too. It was it was after tax and tip was $12 for me. Right, which is cheaper than a lot of places around here. Right, and the fries were very good. They had that like crunchy yep. with the like pepper built into it. Yeah, they're seasoned very nicely. So and good. you had... Um, the blue cheese that was like extra blue, bluey. Is that how you would say that? Yeah, I said very blue. <laughs> but they make the blue cheese there on site. It's not just like a, like a bottle of craft that they're just pouring into a jug. So I appreciate um, right. a restaurant that gets their hands dirty. You asked, do you make your own blue cheese here? And she said, yeah, we do. Just like that, right? <laughs> Here's another thing that I, I thought was very nice. We, we were having conversation. We're gonna, we'll get into some of this stuff that we're going to talk about later, but um, I got up to go use the restroom and she said, no, it's on the other side. I was like, okay. But there was also like a restroom there. So I learned after the fact that they have the women's restroom on the side by where the kitchen is. And the men's restroom is on the other side of the restaurant. And I was like, man, that's really awesome that they are forward thinking, you know, at a sports bar and stuff like that. I'm sure at nighttime, maybe sometimes it gets rowdy or something. And um, having having the forethought to separate the men's room and the women's room for safety reasons and all that stuff. I just thought that was really... Yeah, they're on the opposite. I I, I don't know if I've ever seen that before. It's very courteous, I think. Just an exact opposite side of the restaurant. So the women definitely go all the way over there and the men go all the way over there. Yep. Um, yeah, definitely. I don't know what the hours are, but it definitely has the vibe of they're probably open till two. Yeah. Three. And they have a pool table whatever. and darts and there was outside yeah. seating. And uh, it was nice. It was clean. The bathroom was nice. It's fine. Now, you... Um, you know, you mentioned after tax and tip. tip. Now, I had no problem tipping this waitress. No, even though her voice sounded like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, she didn't sound like that at all. She was actually very friendly. She was very friendly. Very yeah, nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, not that people that sound like that wouldn't be friendly. <laughs> but anyway. Hey. Want um, <laughs> <hey>. some more tea? <laughs> um, I had no problem tipping her because she did a good job. She did a service. Yes. And um, I tipped her a very healthy percentage of... My meal, my bill, um, inadequate, you know, above adequate. Um, but last week we talked about this whole tipping culture thing that's getting out of hand. Yes. And I got to tell you what happened to me, bro. Okay. So it was... <laughs> uh, I wish you guys could see his face right now. I think it was Saturday. Uh, I got up and I made myself um, a bacon, egg, and cheese on an everything bagel at oh, my house. Okay. That's pretty good. Okay. It's just the Thomas muffin bagels. Yeah, no one's, no one's angry about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, no, but good. it was good. Yeah. Put in a toaster, a little butter. It was nice. Um, that was at whatever time I got up and did that, 8, 30, 9 a.m. Do you ever butter before you put in the toaster? No, that like it, it'll ruin your toaster. Have you ever done that, though? No, I would never ruin my toaster. It doesn't ruin it. It has to leave butter somewhere. It, do, it does not. If your butter is like room temp and you do that, I'm telling you, bro, just try this. Anyway, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I have a very nice toaster. Okay. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Um, so where was I? Oh, so I had this. It was a good sandwich, everything. And then I had to put some finishing touches on my sermon for Sunday. Okay. And uh, so it's about noon, and I knew I was going to get out of the house, and I was going to go to HQ. I was going to go to the office to work on work on the sermon for the, for the next day to fin- put my finishing touches on it. 
And I was hungry. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm going to get like, we don't have a lot of stuff in the house right now. Like for lunch, I'm going to go get myself lunch. Okay. And I was craving a breakfast sandwich, even though I just, just had one a few hours earlier. Wow. And so I went to a place that's known for making breakfast sandwiches around here. Okay. Um, I think they're probably a chain. If they are, they're a small chain. They could be the only one for all I know. Uh, again, I'm not going to mention their name just because, you know, we're not doing a Yelp review here. Um, so I went to this place and it was noon. So most people aren't getting breakfast sandwiches at noon. Just the people that are like extra hungover probably from the night before. They're just rolling out of bed. Um, so I'm waiting in line <laughs> and there's probably like 12 people inside this place. That place is always packed. Yeah, but at noon, it wasn't too bad. Okay. Right? So there were probably like six or seven people waiting for their food to come to them that had takeout orders and then a few people in line. And so I went up and I, I ordered my sandwich. It looked really good. And so I ordered my sandwich and it, it's, I think it's a la carte. So I had to order some fries or something or hash browns with it. No, I didn't. I just got a sandwich and coffee. And um, so <laughs> the lady tells me the total and asked me how I'll be paying. I said, I'll be paying card. I put my credit card into pay. Listen to this. I'm listening. The audacity of how, of audacity okay. is off the charts these days. The audacity of the audacity. The audacity, just of how, uh, it's unbelievable. The, uh, to have the audaciousness. Whatever the root word is. <laughs> and so I put my credit card in and it pulls up the option to tip. Fine, whatever. Okay. All she's doing is they're making my sandwich back there. She flips it around. Like it's one of those deals. And I'm like, well, I'm not tipping for that. I'm just a man of principle. I have no problem. Today, the lady that served us at Flanagan's got a beautiful tip. It's awesome. She did a great job. But if you're not providing a service, if all you're doing is like, just making a sandwich. Yeah, you pressed one touchscreen button. Right. There's no option to not tip. Whoa. Yeah, so she, the thing says 15. Wait, and this is not a sit-down place. No. So it says 15, <clears throat> 20, 25% tip. And so I have to push one of those. So I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here staring at the screen because I've never seen this before. Okay. There's always an other button. So There's always thrown. a decline. You were yeah, thrown. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking at this and then I take... You know, quick look behind me because there's people behind me, right? And this girl, she's probably 20 years old, like looking at me, like waiting to see, you know, which one I'm going to push here. And and I look up at her and I say, I'm sorry, um, but there's no option to to not tip. I I wasn't planning on tipping for this. Oh, God. (laughs) And she says, oh, like she was surprised. Oh, no. So everybody that goes here and, 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 um, and buys their food, <laughs> I guess they just add 20%. And so, um, we got to pause for a second. There's people outside of our, our HQ. And they have a golden retriever who's drinking. They have a golden retriever that's drinking our water. I put a, a dog bowl out yeah. from Amazon. I ordered a silver dog bowl. Yes. I, I wonder if they're like, they're like looking at us like, why are these two dudes just <laughs> talking to each other so close <laughs> into one microphone? <laughs> they can't see the microphone. <laughs> no, they can't see the microphone. <laughs> like, hey, this yeah. is a good <laughs> Oh, they oh. must be playing checkers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's pretend we're playing checkers. I'm do, I'll do this. Okay. They're gone. Anyway, so they're gone. The gold retriever got his or her fill of water. Um, so anyway, so, so I look at... paused on this girl and said, hey, please help me. I just said, I, I don't. I wasn't planning on tipping. And she's like, okay. Then And then she just reaches her hand across and just starts pushing like the decline button like three times in a row or something, which I thought about doing. I thought about saying, well, like I could probably push the red button. That's got to be like negative, right? That's got to be like, get me out of here. Right. But I don't want to cancel my sale because that would have been really awkward. I'm sorry. I just canceled the sale. Can we redo that again? I'm not planning on tip. I got to want to do all that. Right. So she just, okay, there you go, sir. I was like, okay, thanks. But like, 
we've gotten to a point now where there's an actual restaurant that there's no option to not tip unless you're paying cash. I don't know, man. It's just the tipping culture. We talked about it last week. It's getting crazy. This was just after we talked about it last week, this happens and it's like, my goodness. So the cherry on top for you. Yeah, I think so. I, I've but got, um, let me ask you yes. this. Are you going to go back? You know what? It's interesting. I don't know. Really? This place that you guys, we can't say the name, but it's a good place. Yeah. I mean, it's just, um, I'm a man of principle. I, I do think if I go back, I, I would have to make sure I have cash on me. Okay. I don't want to go through that again. Yeah. How many, here's the thing. Out of a hundred people that was in the same position I was that day, because you know, this place sold. 99 did it. 99%, you know, 99% of people are just tipping. Yeah. You were the one out of a hundred. And you know who's really making out on all this? The store owner. Yeah, they're not giving those tips to the kids. No, they're 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 absolutely they have to legally go, I believe, to the kids. But the point though is that he can pay them six dollars an hour. Because they're making tips. Yep. Jerk. Have a nice um nice piece of news today. We ready for some nice news? We're ready for some nice news. Extra, extra nice news. Listen to this story. Every worker at Harmon Dental Center in Louisville, that's how I say it, by the way, Louisville. Yeah, you got to like act like you have a mouthful of marbles. Louisville. Louisville. Uh, it's not Louisville or Louisville. You can tell like you're a tourist when you go yeah. there. So I don't like ever looking like a tourist. Uh, I've been to Louisville, Kentucky, and I know that um, that's how you pronounce it. Uh, is likely attending the office holiday party this year. Lori James, the office manager, won a $175,000 lottery ticket at this year's party. She tells uh, Today.com, which is where the story came from, that it was so unexpected because they weren't even going to have a party. This was our first year we decided to do this. She says the owner, Dr. Bradley Harmon, usually takes all the staff and their spouses for a nice dinner, and the gift exchange happens there. But this year, he just wanted everyone to relax. In other words, he's... Inflation hit him, too. Yeah, he was feeling it. So he ordered lunch for everyone December 13th, and they exchanged gifts during their break. I'm like, okay, that's great, James remembers thinking. I was kind of the last one to go in there, and they're like, pick your number. I'm playing, that, I guess, that Secret Santa game. Yeah, know? or like White Elephant or something. White Elephant or whatever. Yeah. And then we're going to eat, and then we're going to start having our little uh, Santa exchange where we have rules that we put in place. James says, that's so funny. Remember Jane's edition? Jane says, remember that song? That's a great song. Jane says, 12 others participated and they each picked a number to see who got the, okay, we get all that. The only rule, okay. The only rule was that each gift can only be stolen twice. After that, the final recipient can open it. Jane says she drew number four and the person who drew number nine stole her initial gift. That was that she was very excited about. It was a $50 gift card to TJ Maxx. Nice, dude. Uh, Jane's says, John, no, I'm sorry. Jane's then stole five scratch off lottery tickets from someone else. Dr. Harmon's wife was like, Lori, that's dead now because no one else gets to take that from you. And I'm like, really? And they're like, start scratching off. Well, I will tell you what. Whoa, dude. I hit on every one of those tickets. So someone, I guess probably sounds like it's a $50 deal. Someone went out and bought five lottery tickets at $10 a piece and put them in there. Like scratch-offs. Scratch-offs, yeah. Whoa. Um, the first four wins totaled less than $60. Okay. 
But then Jane's started on the last one, which was black and gold and called Hit the Jackpot. She knew it would be different because two of the five numbers on the card, two and 14, were the birthdays of her husband and daughter, December 2 and 14, respectively. Okay. You're a big science guy. You're a science guy at all. Like when you see things like that, they're like, oh man, that's a big deal. Not like that. No. Not like that. I was so happy with my $50. Like I never win on scratch, she says. <laughs> so apparently this is part of her life. Yeah, she does this a lot. <laughs> yeah, so I got to run and get my scratch tickets. Her voice uh, she, <laughs> <laughs> she says, I was like, she always says I was like, I was like, well, now I get to go spend $50 at TJ Maxx, right? Because I'm thinking in my head, you stole my gift card. The last scratch ended up being worth $175,000. I would literally probably have a heart attack. You think so? Literally, probably? Yeah. Um, it's been a whirlwind, I swear, for the whole week. Every time I talked about it, I was crying. $100,000? $175,000. That's almost two. Wait a second. It didn't seem real. What, what do you got? That, that's just, that's a lot of money, man. But now it's really set in since I officially took the money. I didn't take the money to the bank until like four days later. Jane says her co-worker, Michelle, who is who gifted the scratch off. Michelle's got to be like. Michelle's like, you owe me. Yeah. I'm. Don't you, wouldn't you do something for Michelle? Here, here's a grand. Out of 175? Yeah, here's a grand. Um, wouldn't you? Michelle didn't have time to go to the store to pick up a gift card. So she went to her old faithful lottery cards and didn't get the one she wanted. She wanted a more Christmassy one. So she's looking for like a Christmassy scratch off. Okay. Um, We're learning but, a lesson here. I guess. Yeah. But settled for the five she got. Jane says winning big was a one in a million chance. Jane says is that, immediately. Is that really the odds? I don't think so. I think she just said it. <laughs> I think it's bigger than that. It's probably bigger than that. Um, <laughs> Jane says immediately after winning, she FaceTimed her husband in high who is her high school sweetheart with whom she shares two kids, 15 and 19. He could tell by the look at my face. He was like, are you all right? Do you not feel good? And I'm like, because that's what she says. No, I said, I'm so red because I'm freaking out. Babe, I just hit the lottery. And he's like, you did not. Her coworkers yelled <laughs> over her shoulder and she was telling the truth and to come pick her up from work because she can't drive, she's shaken. James remembers her coworkers. Her boss is like, hey, I, this is a lunch party. Yeah. Do you think they get to go home after the Christmas lunch party? <laughs> I don't know. The fact that he had, he usually did a nice dinner for everybody. He right. moved it to lunch. It makes me think that maybe they have some work they have to finish. Right. And she's like. Well, it's a dental office. She's like. <laughs> so whatever. So she's the office manager. So some guy came in to like settle his account. She's like, nah, Jane's gone. Jane's she's she's gone. not here. She, hit she the, took off. She hit it big on the uh, scratchers earlier. Yeah. Um, blah, 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 her co-workers. Okay. Jane says her husband loaded up their two kids and the dog in the car. Loaded up their 19 and 15. <laughs> That's what it says. Buckled uh, them in. And the dog in the car picked her up from work and together they went to the state's lottery office to confirm the win. It's a four hour drive. But they brought the dog. That's awesome. Isn't that nice? Yeah. It's a nice story. Bro, You if you scratched off and you won $175,000. Wow. So, okay, a couple thoughts. One, 
I remember when fake lottery tickets became a thing. Okay. Have you seen those before? I've I've heard stories. Yeah. So they're basically they're instant winners. They're like a like you get at like magic shops or something. It's a joke on somebody. <laughs> there were magic shops. They were a big thing. <laughs> they're still a thing in certain places. I was in one not long ago somewhere. They're usually like touristy like beach towns. The and only stuff. time I've ever been to a magic shop was at like a flea market. Really? Yeah. Oh, so you've never been to like a real like brick and mortar like? No. Oh, they're cool, dude. They're I imagine cool. that the like the. The workers, I mean, like the owner, shop owner is like a strange guy. Yeah, there's not workers. He, he can't <laughs> afford workers. He just kind of disappears at night. <laughs> <laughs> it's just him. He sleeps under the counter. Yeah, but um, so mm. I we went on vacation with my family years ago. Um, and it was late at night, one night on the beach. Uh, my brothers and cousins had been drinking too much. And it was my, my cousin's birthday. So my cousin, his brother, my cousin John, uh, stopped and bought some scratch-offs and put a fake one in there Aww. so he gave him like like this story he gave him like five scratch-offs but he gave him a fake winner and he put the fake one at the end so they're like oh man open it up let's see what you got and, you know so he's out there and he's scratching them and he's like ah oh, this one's nothing and oh this one i get another ticket or whatever Just, oh two dollar winner you know right and then he scratched the last one bro and like he, he stared at it and he was like he picked it up and he threw his hands in there and he went Woo! like at the top of the song yeah he was so excited. He's like, he's like, victory. He just started walking around the pool. Like one of those like pools at, at a hotel that's, that's like big, huge. Yeah. yeah. He just walking. He's just shaking his hands and screaming and dancing. Well, you know, my brothers and my cousins are just laughing. They think it's the funniest thing. Um, this guy still doesn't know. He still doesn't know. No. Um, and so uh, one of my brothers is like, hey, hey, wh- where do we take it to? What do we got to do? He's, he's like, how do you collect the money? He's like, oh, man, good, you know, good thinking. And he flips it over and it says um, this uh, lottery card can only be, um, you know, what do you call that? Retrieved or redeemed, redeemed, redeemed uh, through Santa Claus or the Tooth Fairy, you know, Easter Bunny. Aww. And he just threw a thing on the ground. He was so mad. I always thought that was the meanest thing. He's never been back to a family event since then. I don't think so. He no. pops in occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. But um, the fake lottery tickets, man. So I think when I read that story, my first thought would have been like, <clears throat> oh, am I like, am I being punked right now? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, is somebody playing the joke on me? Bro, I, I just, I can't imagine it. I cannot imagine that. That's so much money. What would you do with that much money? I'm building a pool. Really? Yeah. You sound like Clark Griswold. I'm getting a pool. Putting a pool in. I'm putting a pool in. Um, <clears throat> I have no, heard... We're probably getting a new, a new... We need a new family vehicle. You need a new family whip. And then and then maybe figure something else out. Um, I have heard that the taxes on gambling is, is enormous. Who cares? Well, I cares because <laughs> if it's like 60% or 50% or something outrageous, I think if, I, if I'm in her position, I take that 175, I think I'm taking a hundo and just putting it in the bank for a year until I find out what my taxes are actually going to be on it. Or at least oh, talk to sure. a CPA or whatever. Because the last thing you want to do is blow through $175,000 like, hey, and then you owe 75 yeah. in taxes. So I think I would I would either talk to a CPA, talk to a tax person, figure out what exactly it is. Here's the thing. I feel like they should just take the taxes out when they give it to you. Oh, I see what you're, you're saying. Like, hey, oh, okay, you won 175,000. Well, we're going to take ours now. Right. And here's your 87,000. That reminds me of like churches where the pastors take the tithe out of their <laughs> their staff <laughs> before they give them a paycheck. No, do they really do there that? Are, yeah, there are churches that do that. Oh my. Yeah, so like you're getting paid fifty grand a year, but like every paycheck, like there's like tithe missing. 
We're, we're going to pay you 50, but we're going to give you, you know, 45 or whatever it is. Uh, wow. They're going to. Okay. I don't work there. Thank God. No. <laughs> um, all right. So anyway, that's kind of cool. Um, this show, we thought we would um, take a look back at youth ministry. Yeah. So we, I, I think we've talked about this a couple times. You actually were my youth pastor. I was. A long time ago. Mm-hmm. 2007. Yep. Was the year I gave my life to the Lord mm-hmm. in Palm Beach, Florida. And yep. you were the youth pastor at the time at this church. My friend invited me mm-hmm. <clears throat> to come to church. And you were the youth pastor, you and Pastor Stacy. Yes, my wife. What what a uh what a great couple to meet Aww. when I was however old, seventeen. Thanks. Yeah, you're 17. kind of a jerk. I was an absolute jerk. <laughs> I was the But kid, we loved you. Yes, and yeah. I was the kid that you didn't want around. Right. And then you became the kid that we did one around. Yeah. So <laughs> look at the Lord. So I, I um, along with my wife, have spent, uh, we spent about two decades in, in youth ministry. Um, and I came up at a church, um, Christian Life Center, Fort Lauderdale. Um, and I learned how to do youth ministry there. Um, I spent a season away from the Lord, partying and, you know, drugs and alcohol and that whole lifestyle. And, then when I came back, I was like, man, I feel a calling, you know, into, into ministry. So I want to help like teenagers not go down the path I went down. And uh, so I, I learned quite a bit about how to do youth ministry there. And I, I served as supporting the youth pastor. But my first uh, stint, my first gig as an actual youth pastor was in Hollywood, Florida. And I was there 14 months. You have a lot of funny stories from that place. Yeah, 13 months too long. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was... Uh, that was um, I'm not going to say much about it. Other than this, uh, there were some big wins that came out of that. Um, but when we started, um, we had two kids in the youth ministry. Wow. And it was a little inner city church and um, ended up growing that that um, ministry to about 30, 35 students. Now, listen, I'm not the big numbers guy. I don't like talking about numbers and all that kind of thing when it comes to attendance and youth ministry and all that. I'm actually going to get into that in a little bit. Why? However, I will give you numbers just for context of understanding okay. where we're at. Because the numbers are a metric of growth. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. and it just gives you context. So you're talking about you, you were youth pastoring a group of 15, like all the kids could fit in the minivan. I mean, um, a church van. Right. You know, or is this charter bus territory? You know, what is gotcha. this? Gotcha. Uh, so we left there. And um, long story short, we ended up. Um, at a church in Loxahatchee, Florida, which is Palm Beach, Florida, which yeah. is where I met you. Yeah. Um, and when we started there, there were probably about 30, 35 teenagers. Um, and in our heyday, at our peak, we we, we clipped 100. And um, I'm in Palm Beach County, Florida. Why am I going anywhere else? I'm, I don't need to leave anywhere. It's a great, great place. Um, I lived in Jupiter, Florida at the time. Which is a very nice place to live. My goodness. Um, <clears throat> but then got a call to go to Virginia and... Uh, I didn't want to go to Virginia for a lot of reasons, um, but I went up there and visited. And when I was there, the Holy Spirit said, you're you're moving to Virginia. So Stacy and I, uh, we didn't have any kids at the time. We moved up to Manassas, Virginia, served at a church there called Chapel Springs Church in Bristow, Virginia. And we served as youth pastors there for 10 years. And then we did some uh, other things after youth ministry. And then, of course, we came here and planted a church. But anyway, that's just kind of the numbers. Um, in Virginia, our attendance when we first got there was probably in the 80s, 90s. Um, and by the time, I wouldn't say by the time we left, but we had our our, our heyday was probably in the two to 300 range. Yeah, for sure. For sure. 
Uh, we had some nights where we were over 300. And so it was just a larger youth ministry. My first uh, ever mission trip there, we took 84 people to Jamaica. <laughs> so like our mission trips were like... Bigger than most youth ministries. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, we're part of the Assemblies of God. Bigger so, than most churches, actually. Yeah, yeah. as I'm finding that out. <laughs> Bigger than our church right now. <laughs> I don't know about that, but close. Um, but I remember uh, we, you know, we would do the big AG Fine Arts Festival, the national trip. I mean, dude, we took a hundred and fifty kids one year. Like, just imagine just transferring the logistics of that. Is, yeah, yeah. Transportation for hundred and fifty kids and leaders and hotels and food and food and all of that stuff, man. So it was it was it was very significant. Um, but you know. I first went into youth ministry, like I said, as far as um, an actual youth pastor, 2002, uh, as far as serving the local body, local church down here in Fort Lauderdale, 1999. And I had a lot of wins, man. A lot of things that I would consider uh, to be successful. Uh, one of the things that I, I love is that we have students all over the world now in ministry, full-time missionaries, right. pastors, you name it. Right. It's crazy, too, because... Um, <clears throat> I found the Lord in when you were in uh, West Palm Beach under your ministry. And then I actually moved to Virginia and I yep. worked on staff with you in Virginia. Um, and those are some of the best years of my ministry so far. I mean, I've been in full-time ministry almost 15 years and actually probably 15 years now. And, um, and doing youth ministry, that's been, that was a lot of fun, a very fun chapter of my life. Yeah, we did some some crazy things, man. We had some amazing sermon series. We would do the full-on stage build-outs. And right. my goodness, man, we did some things and saw so many kids come to know Jesus and so many water baptisms. We bapt Remember that one night? Were you there when we baptized yes. 75 teenagers? Yes. Um, so just, add, yeah, just um, some, some great wins. Um, I, I love getting the occasional phone call or text from a former student, you know, saying, hey, thanks for everything. Yeah. Um, it's funny, youth pastors get forgotten. Mm -hmm. Often, as do I think kids pastors, because um, you know people, kids become adults, and then it's all about that pastor, you right? Know? Um, but it's cool to get the occasional, you know, thanks a lot, and so I think those are kind of some some big wins for me when I look back on it. I, I always said, um, you can judge how good of a youth pastor you are. I'm sorry, you can't judge how good of a youth pastor you are until like 20 years later, right? You know, are those teenagers in their 30s? Are they are they going to church still? Do they love Jesus still? How are their marriages? You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, and so if my first time as a youth pastor was 2002, it's now 20 years later. Right. So those 18-year-olds are 38-year-olds. You know what I mean? Right. So how, how are they doing? Um, how's their walk with Jesus? And so I have quite a few um, wins that way, which is kind of cool. Um, but one of the things I wrestle with is, <laughs> man, and I don't, this is just going to be, I guess, raw and real. I, I I'm almost afraid of this concept that we're going to talk about, but I got some some people that hate me. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure you, statistically you have to, right? I mean, I guess. Yeah, I, I guess if you don't own, I guess if you don't really own what your issue is, it's a lot easier to pin it on somebody. So what we're alluding to here is like, okay, I'll just ask this question. Do you think that there's any students of yours that you and Pastor Stacy pastored over the years? Do you think that they're now in their life, do you think they are hurt because of any of the ministries that you led? Yeah. 
I, I, they have to be. And for me, I know there's kids that are church hurt. I say kids because I still remember them at 16, even though right. they're 27 now yeah, or whatever. Families and stuff. Yeah. Um, there has to be. And I'll, I would never want to be so arrogant as to say, well, it's all their fault, right? Um, so I'm sure there are things that I I missed. I mean, dude, when you're, you have 250 kids in a youth ministry, like, it's a big deal, man. It's right. a lot of people. It's a lot of parents. It's a lot of families. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, there it's, it stinks, man. There's definitely some, some, some people that are adults now, uh, that want nothing to do with me, you know? Mm. Um, and some of them, I'd love to sit down with them and say, you know, if you just, if you, if, if you would have just stopped trying to sleep with every girl <laughs> in our right. youth ministry, um, if you stopped trying to sell weed to every single kid that walked into our youth ministry, if you stopped bringing knives to church, you know, maybe you would have had a better experience. Right. You know, I think the whole church hurt thing is, I think a lot of it is on, um, I think a lot of the times it's, it's the person playing the victim that they're hurt by the church. I think a lot of it is is really more their fault than anybody else's. Right. Um, now there are there are, and we could do a whole episode on church hurt, but there are real church hurts out there. There are real pastors that um, manipulate and take advantage. Right. Um, there are horrible things that have happened to children. You know. For sure. Um, and there, so there's real there's real church hurt. Um, I'm a human. Absolutely. Think, like. If if some people would just give you the opportunity to say sorry, or you didn't even know that you offended them or hurt them, like, oh man, I, dude, I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, and how many times did I give somebody grace at fourteen years old, and now they can't extend it to me? Right. You know. Yeah. Instead of just saying like, oh, I'm, I hate the church, and da da da, like, I'm hurt from this, like, yeah, but you never gave anybody an opportunity to, like to have forgiveness or like, if you did something to me 10 years ago, I'd be right. like, yo man, that, that really kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I didn't, I didn't like what you did there. And then you would have an opportunity to say, Oh dude, I'm sorry. I didn't know. Or man, I was, that was a bad decision I made and give like reconciliation a chance. I have know? no problem <clears throat> saying I'm sorry. And I have no problem even sitting down with someone who, if I feel they're mostly in the wrong, listening to them, hearing their hurt, hearing their pain right uh, we had a young man um he got he, he was a teenager at the time 17 i believe and uh you know he got a, a young girl pregnant in our youth ministry and um and during that pregnancy she, you know he turned 18 it was like dude you don't you don't need youth group anymore like you need to go to like a life group you need mm-hmm. to go like the young adults place you need to learn how to be a dad like you have a, you're bringing a child into this world you know and in his mind i kicked him out of youth group but I didn't kick him out of youth group. It was like, no, you need to leave, dude, to become who you are now. Right. You are now a father. Right. Whether that baby's been birthed yet or not, there's a child in in the womb of a young girl who you're going to father. For sure. Um, and so he viewed me as this awful person and you wouldn't make eye contact with me. I'd see him in church. He'd walk right by me. And at the end of a service one time, you know, I just went up to him and and I looked at him and I just said, hey, man, I just I just want to let you know, I, I am so sorry if there's anything I've done to hurt you um, that I'm I'm unaware of. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and I even said and, and he had really made some good steps and started doing the right thing. And um, I put my arms around him and he did. He wept like a child. Wow. In my arms, like, man, I had like tears on my, right. my shoulder and everything. And it was this beautiful healing moment. You know what I mean? Um, and from then on, me and him have been fine. 
you know um he ended up marrying that girl they have a family now they're in their right. you know 20s or whatever and life is good uh for them and um and that's i think a beautiful picture of like what it can look like because sure. here's the thing you know i've probably had thousands of teenagers come through uh, our ministry through the years some are going to become pregnant you know right and there's no there's no there's no textbook for how to handle a teenage pregnancy in your youth ministry. It's situational. It's situational, but even in, even in each, each situational, even in each situation, you're going to blow it. You're going to mess something up. They're not going to be happy with something. You're not going to be happy with something. Ultimately, yeah, like it's you're, messy. It's messy. Right. You know, like should this couple get married? Do you force that on them? Of course not. Right. Do you, you know? All the other girls are sinning in the youth group too, and some of them are sleeping around. They're just not pregnant. Right. This one just happens to be physically showing her sin, so to speak. Right. You know what I mean? So it's just it's just so difficult, man. And um, I find that so many situations, so many of the students that are now adults, you know, and there's not many, but there's definitely some that that really just detest me. I think we sat down and had an honest conversation, and, and we each owned, you know, right. our share. But when you think about it, um, I was twenty. Two, 23 years old when I first became a youth pastor. Yeah, bro. Like you were so fresh to it. I, I, I just, I didn't know what I didn't know. Right. You know, and as I got older, I think I got a little better at it. And I went from like the cool 23 year old kid that like got along and hung out with the teenager, so to speak, you know, and listened to the same music or whatever and understood the same movies to by the time I stepped away from youth ministry as youth pastoring, I was 38. And so by that time, I'm like the same age as a lot of these kids' parents. Right. So anyway, um, are there other kids that are now adults that are church hurt because of ministries that I led? Yeah. Yeah. And it sucks. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> I, I know that I, I know that I always had a good heart and good attentions. And I always meant well. Um, and I was never a pastor that was trying to manipulate anybody or take advantage of anybody. Um, I was an outcast in the youth group I grew up in. So I always had a heart for the outcast kids. I always mm -hmm. had a heart for the kids that were different, special, whatever you know you want to say. And I always had a heart for those kids. Um, and I think most people would, would say that I was, you know, a decent a decent guy and, and i think most of those kids that are now adults would say no he he loved me right if you really like take a look back at it and remove your your uh remove yourself from a situation really take a look at it. i think that's i think that's the truth i've been under your leadership for over a decade and sure there are times where i have felt offended and stuff like that but i have i always knew the baseline between you and Pastor Stacy was that you cared for me more than I could ever understand. And you were always looking out for my my future and all that stuff. Right. And so I can truthfully look back at it now. I'm a dad of three daughters and a husband and all that stuff. And you guys really put me on a path of success, mm -hmm. whether I appreciated it at the time or not. Does that make sense? So, yeah, absolutely. Um, how important is it for a youth ministry to look cool? All right, so we're, we're changing gears but <laughs> yeah. in, in the same um, topic. Yeah. Because, you know, obviously that's that's a big question through the years. Um, you know, I, I asked you at, at lunch today, I said, you went on a fishing trip. 
you caught fish. Right. You brought those fish home and you cooked them and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, well, what's more important, the bait or the fish that you ate? Well, obviously it's the fish you ate because, you know, that's what it's all about. That's right. the meal. That's it's a healthy meal. It's what I, I, I longed for some snook. Right. And I caught it and I ate it. Um, but without the bait, you're not getting it. And I, I do think there's a level, there's a bar and maybe cool is not the right word, but there's, there's, there's a, there's a bar you've got to hit where, where it's, it's chumming the waters, you know, okay. if, if a kid walks in and nothing's well thought out, you know, and the lighting is weird and the music's from the nineties, like they're still playing DC talk or something or Lecrae's first album, you know, um, <laughs> which was the jam back in the day. Um, you know, and, and all the leaders are all dressed kind of frumpy and, you know, there's, there's, um, you're competing against too much in this culture. Mm. You know, I remember Johnny Wilson, uh, who's, uh, who was a youth pastor at Orlando Faith for a long time, very significant youth ministry, mainstream Orlando. He used to say that, man, he, he just wanted his youth ministry to be the coolest around and just completely and totally full with the Holy Spirit. Mm. You know, that was, it was, it was both. Right. It was you the know? bait and the hook. Yeah, I mean, you you can have the most spirit-filled youth group, but if it's just just hoke central, right? right? Just hokey looking, you know, and, and and just not well thought out, and kids aren't gonna come mm. unless it's just a an absolute just outpouring, supernatural outpouring of the spirit of God, right? Like revival type thing, then people will come. But but for the most part, there, there's a, there's a bar you got to hit, you know. Right. I think. I mean, what do you think? You're the creative. So I remember when I was in youth ministry. Um, it wasn't like the coolest thing ever. There was a cool vibe about it. It's not like you had like crazy lighting and like audiovisual stuff and like smoke and all this stuff. But like there was a, a live band, which was a good band. Like I'm looking back at it and those like, yeah, the worship band back then, that they were really good musicians. Right. So there's a good band. The people were very nice, friendly. And the message was like relevant to me. It was, it was preached in a way that was like, oh man, okay, this is what church is. I never knew. Right. You know what I mean? So I think cool is different now. Well, I, I will say, hold on, <laughs> because we only had, well, we had two places to do youth ministry. One was in an old trailer that was like fully decked out for youth ministry with lighting and it was, the walls were painted black. It was actually kind of grim looking <laughs> now they look back on it um it had a little dj booth sound booth and everything um but it only held 30 35 kids comfortably yeah, by the time i came yeah it was not there we were probably double that and so we had to meet in the sanctuary uh which was an old time pentecostal looking yeah there sanctuary. was like banners on the walls and stuff yes and i'm not we're not going to go down that path but it fine it was not um it was not something that the average teenager would walk into and want to be a part of. Right. So we started striking all those banners. We started prepping the sanctuary, tearing it down on Thursday mornings because we had youth group on Thursday nights. And so we would take all those banners down. We um, spent a bunch of money on different things. Light, we did have some lighting. We had a, a, a smoke machine called Mr. Cool. Yep. <laughs> that we would put ice into it and then fog would come out, but it would like creep all over the floor. It would like stay low. Yeah. <laughs> so we did what we could with what we had. And I think um, for the time, mm-hmm. I think for the time it was cool. If you like, if that was what a youth ministry was doing now, I would be like, yo, what is this? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe some churches that's what they have and that's what they can do, you know? 
Um, all I know is that we had youth leaders there, grown adults that loved the heck out of kids. Yes. You know, so I think that's what you, what you probably sensed more mm-hmm. than anything else. And I, like, I instantly had a, like, encounter with the living God. Right. Which is, that's the coolest thing of all of it. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And so I think the having it inviting and like there was cool kids and all that stuff there that's awesome but then for there for there to be space to actually encounter the holy spirit as a 17 year old kid you know walking in carrying all the baggage i was carrying was like like super liberating for me you know know what i mean yeah at the end of the day cool doesn't save your soul and cool doesn't set you free right you know that's what god does right um so it's been 20 years now since I was a youth pastor, started in youth ministry as a youth pastor. Again, I was a youth leader helping the youth pastor in Fort Lauderdale for a few years before we started. But um, And I, I look back and I do ask myself, like, what are some things I would have done differently? Um, and it's a question I've wrestled with because I, I really feel like I, I did a lot of things well. I really do. And, and that's not an arrogant statement. That's just, I really feel like, I did things well and, and, and I adjusted as I went, you know, mm-hmm. youth ministry in 2002 was different from youth ministry in 2010, which is different than youth ministry in 2020. Right. Right. Um, I mean, things do change. Um, but I, a couple things that I didn't do well, that if I was going to do it all over again, um, I would partner with parents more. Okay. So if I'm a, if I'm a new youth pastor, yes, I'm 24, 23, right. I have my, my little youth group. I'm starting. This is something I should like take notes right now. I would, yeah. And I, um, whether you're sending a weekly email out to, pa- to parents or a monthly email, uh, or you know, you're, you're not just putting stuff on your youth's Instagram or back then it was Facebook or whatever, but you know, TikTok videos or whatever. But like you're actually talking to parents where they are, yeah, and 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 making space for them, and not just like, hey, if you ever need to talk to me, let me know, but actually like planning events. Where, hey, it's parent night, uh, Friday night, and we're inviting all the parents to come out. And we're just going to give you a little State of the Union, what's going on in youth ministry. Mm. I mean, here's some things coming up. Um, give a parent maybe like a calendar at the beginning of the year that has all the dates on it. Right. Of all your big events. Um, but just partnering with parents more. And so for me, so much of it was like always about the student or the leader. You know, so I was always pouring in. We had a, a youth staff at one point in time, like volunteer people serving our youth staff of like 40, 50 people. Wow. You know what I mean? And so we would always have these monthly meetings where we would spend time together and, and, and talking things through and um, and praying for them and praying for their marriages. And um, so I poured so much time into our youth leaders and, of course, the student. But I think the parent is the one, you know, group of people that probably got left behind. Okay. Um, what else would I have done differently? Uh, I would have focused on safety more. Now, I know that sounds so practical and so like, okay. Um, and I did do better as we went on in, in life. Okay. Uh, so I, safety was not even on my radar when I first started. I mean, it was to some degree, like I'm not gonna let someone come in and like beat the kids up off the street right. or something. Some guy comes in with a crowbar. Yeah, we're all the kids, you know, <laughs> like I'd give my life, right? To right. For the kids. But just other things like, I remember before I became a youth pastor, I was a youth leader, right? Uh, at the church in Fort Lauderdale, we did this big beach day. Okay. And I was in charge of rec. And I thought, what if we have a Twinkie eating contest? Oh, no. Like, I never even thought about that, right? 
Um, and so we have a Twinkie eating contest. And dude, I almost killed a girl with a Twinkie, bro. This girl's like three quarters of a way. Just chugging a Twinkie. Chugging a Twinkie and just starts choking. Oh, no. And so like one of our leaders there was like a nurse and she had to come over, do like a Heimlich thing. No. Yeah, and like moist, you uh, know, Twinkie. Clump. There's like 30 kids circled around her. Yeah, and, and it's like... all like falling out of her mouth and she's her eyes are all red and watering and she finally catches her breath and it's just like... She looks at you. <laughs> well, <laughs> you you did to. this. I felt horrible, man. I felt so bad and I'm just like, man... I got to learn to test games before I do them. Okay. Speaking of that. <laughs> so I did that. I did that okay. through the years. Okay. I, I started and I, and I would always make you guys test games and make sure things are fine yes. or whatever it is we do. Um, and then Ratchet Ball happened. Okay. We haven't said that, that name publicly in years. There we, are certain fails you have in life that are hard to go back to. We played a game. It was like, was it a lock-in? Or was it a, I think it was a normal youth night. I don't remember. This is what I remember. We, it's when The Force Awakens came out, the Star Wars movie. Okay. And the name of our youth group was The Source. So yeah. we decided to play off Star Wars and we, it was called The Source Awakens. Okay. And uh, we did a sermon series and that was in December of whatever year that yes. was. And so we, you built a TIE fighter. Like, like to yes. scale. Yes. Like, to, it was a giant TIE fighter and then we hung it from the ceiling. It was not to scale, but it was like... It was really close yeah. to scale. <laughs> It was at least probably half. Probably half. A third? A third. It was big. It, it was, was huge. huge. When people came in, they were like, whoa, There's right? pictures on the social media. Still? You have to scroll way yeah, back. Yeah, you know what? I did that recently. Yeah. So anyway, and I said, I want that. And then I and on stage, because I was like the center of the yeah. room. And on the stage, I want the Death Star. Yeah. And so we <laughs> ordered a, a beach ball that blows up to 20 feet. Yeah, it was humongous. It was, think about a 20 foot size. I mean, that's two stories. Yeah, it was it was so big. It was the biggest beach ball I've ever seen in my life. I think we ordered from China. I think it took three weeks to arrive. Yeah, it was huge. So I told you guys to go paint that thing and make it look like you get you gave that job to one of the interns. Yeah, and so he comes in, his clothes are covered with paint. <laughs> it's all gray. He's all gray. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "Oh, Pastor Kevin, can I talk to you for a second? He did not sound like that. <laughs> um, and I said, "What's up, man?" He's like, "Well, I I, I tried." Um, painting it but it's the paint's not sticking to the latex ball to, to the latex ball and i said okay i said well did you try like putting a primer on it? he goes all right i'll go try that so he goes and he puts a primer on it and then tries to paint over it again and it's just it is it looks like death but not the death star right it was horrible it was horrible. you still see the rainbow panels but it yeah. was like <laughs> splotched or gray it was white. the worst thing ever and, it's, and and it was just obvious that this was this was a fail this we're not going to hang this thing up yeah it's not going to be the death star it would have looked so tight uh, my idea in my head of it was awesome, but it just didn't come out. So we took this beach ball. Yep. And we said it was ratchet. Yes. And we put it in a box and put it away. Yes. Months later, we're doing an event and we have this idea. Like, what if we play like a beach ball game? Like beach. We made the game up. We made a lot of games. Yeah. It was like soccer. Yes. But so with the giant beach ball. 20 foot big beach ball. So you had to like throw the beach ball to the other side of the... Yeah, you, like, pushed it. Yeah. It was too big to throw. Well, you could get up in the air a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I mean, once that thing got going, though, it was yeah. taking kids out. But it was, like, fun, you know? It was so, fun. And we played it. And we tested it, because we test everything. And Pastor TJ went hard Yes, yeah. He's a big dude. Yeah. So we all played it, and, and you know, whatever. Um, now, keep in mind, this room is a... It's an old gym, but it has carpet on it. But it's a hard floor. Dude, it's concrete. It's concrete with carpet. Yeah. Um, and so... <laughs> oh, God. 
so we, t- we tested it and it was fine. Yeah, and, and we said let we got to name this game, and we called it Ratchet Ball. Yep, because we called the ball Ratchet. So we play Ratchet Ball. We have, and you had the foresight to do this one thing. What's that? You said it will be boys versus boys. Yes. And girls versus girls. Yeah, because I could see the boys getting too aggressive. Yes. And then like stomping over some girls. Yep. Boy, was I ever wrong. You were the wrongest you've ever been. I the most that, wrong? I was wrong. This was the most wrong. So the boys played it, right? Yeah. And, and it was fine. And it was safe. It was fine. It was it safe. Was fine. I was like, okay, cool. Okay. So then we pick out, it was 4v4. So we had four girls from, it was the Kingdom series, I think is what it was. Oh my gosh. So there's... 300, 200 kids in the room. It was packed. We like taped off Hundreds the floor. Of kids, kids are just like yes. lined on the edges. And this is like cell phones are kind of become a thing now. So people have their, there's video of what we're talking about now. Is there? There is. Oh no, I didn't Ju- know that. Julia Walters has it apparently. Um, so <laughs> just name dropped like that. <laughs> we, well, I didn't say anything bad. I think Julia right, right. has. I mean, Julia, if you're listening, you know send what I'm saying? Like, no, no, don't, don't send, send it in. in. Like, <laughs> delete it. Delete it. Yeah. Um, so we picked these four girls and four girls and the, we picked four, we picked eight athletes, softball girls, soccer we like girls, cross girls. And these girls, and the whole concept was to line up like a dodgeball, like oh, ready, yes. set, go. And they went running. And we never anticipated that because when we played it, we just kicking the ball around. We never anticipated four people and four people running, sprinting as fast as they could. To try to get possession. To try to get possession of this ball. And some of you were doing the math now. Um, these four girls and these other four girls ran full speed and an explosion happened at Ratchet Ball. The ball itself did not explode. No. But the girls went flying. The one did. No, there was two. The I one, won't say their names. We won't say their names. There were two that got concussed. It was bad. Yes. One of them was very concussed. One of them was very concussed. But they went flying in the opposite air. Directions. Opposite direction. Yeah, because imagine just running into something yeah, that has some bounce to yeah. it. And they went flying feet. Like Yeah, and feet. we had the music blasting, yep. bro. And you could hear this girl, her body hit, and then you heard the smack of her head on the yeah. on the floor. It was bad. And then we stopped the music. Hundreds of kids are staring at us. Yeah, I mean, you could hear yeah. a pin drop. So when I look back on that, <laughs> I, we did test it. So that makes me feel a little bit better. But still, just safety in general. I did have this. She was moment. lifeless there for like. For, she was knocked out. Yeah, yeah. 25 seconds. She was knocked out. Yeah. She's doing very well right now, guys. She's, she's oh, doing fine in life. Yeah, I mean, she's doing great. I just need you guys to know that. Yeah. Um, but I remember watching these girls stare at that ball and getting ready to charge it. And there was a check. Oh, no. That I ignored. <gasps> yep. It wasn't like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? It's going to be the worst thing ever. But there was like this. Wait. Have we really thought this through? We had played it. The guys had played it. Right. So I thought we were good. Um, but, yeah. So just, I think, again, what would I have done differently? I would have continued to, to focus more on safety. Dude, when I was 23 years old, if we had a 15-passenger van and we had 20 kids and we're going somewhere... We're putting 20 kids in a 15-passenger van, right? Yeah, you would never do that I now. would never do that now. You probably don't go over 12 now in no, a 15-passenger van. No, well, we would stay with whatever it is. We're a seatbelt for everybody. Okay. Um, but these are just things that, like, I wasn't trained on properly. I didn't think through. Uh, but what would I have done differently? Those are a couple things um, that I would have done differently. Okay. What did you do well? Let's 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 swing this pendulum the Thank other way. Thank you. I appreciate that. What did you do well? Um, I feel... Like I was always teachable. Okay. I always I always tried to be humble um, and teachable. 
whether it's with students, like if students were telling me, hey, I've got concerns about this or that or the youth ministry or parents or leaders, I always I always felt like I um, I did that well. Okay. And I, I think that as a, as a pastor, as a leader, as long as you're doing that, you've got opportunity to be real successful in what you're doing. Once you silo yourself and you think you just know best, mm. scary place, man. Um, another thing real practical that I, that I did, um, I created years ago and I just kind of added it and kind of massaged it through the years, but I created a leadership guide that spelled out expectations for youth leaders. Okay. It, was, it wasn't long. It wasn't like some book. So but, like if I wanted to be on your team, mm-hmm. you'd hand me this book, this little paper. Yeah. And I had so many people thank me for it because like, oh, this is exactly what I need. This shows times to be there. It, it, it shows like the top 21, not top 21, but like 21 things that are expected right. of you, whatever that number. That number started like 10 through the years. It grew yeah. over 20. Things you have to be as an adult if you're going to work with minors when it comes to being in our youth ministry. And it weeded out a lot of people that had no business ever being a youth staff, youth leader. Right. Um, and so when I said we had like 40 youth leaders at one point, they were all amazing, handpicked, handpicked went through the the filtration or whatever you want to call it uh, of this process. They were vetted properly. And I used to be able to sit before my teenagers and say, hey, man, the, the leaders that are wearing the shirts, I say staff on them. And I know them. They love you. They love Jesus. They They're care safe. about you. They're safe. Yeah. I felt like I could say that because I got to know those people and I made sure as best I could. And you never know. You right. know there always could be some creeper somewhere sliding in somehow. But for the most part, we, we vetted people well. Right. Um, so I think those are things that like I did well. I don't know. Do you think anything else I did well? Yeah, I think um, you, are, you are a creative person. You might not be a graphic designer or a filmmaker or something like that, but you are a creative person. And I appreciate that you always give space for creativity mm. in the way that you lead. You always give things. You don't just like say, nope, we're not doing that. Right. You always give time to really like flesh out an idea. And if something in you says like, that's not going to work, you don't dismiss it right away. Right. You you let others get to a point of realizing that at the, <laughs> at the same time that you did. You know what I mean? But um, I think the way that you have always left the table open for creativity and you you always led from a, a creativity first type thing. I, I just, for me being a creative, I always appreciated that from you. Yeah. I mean, our biggest successes often were birthed out of taking a risk. Right. right. You know, um, I remember we, 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 we work close together now, right? We're about four or five feet from each other. Um, and that was the case in Virginia as well for a season for mm-hmm. however many years, five years or so. You were right outside my office and I'd walk out or you'd walk into my office. Hey, what about this? And we were always thinking about different ideas and dreaming. And I remember one time I walked out of my office, I said, what if? <laughs> and you're like, okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What if we do an award show? For our youth ministry. For our youth ministry. And you were like, yes, I'm in. Like, it wasn't even like, you know, I'm a firm believer in sitting down and planning things properly. For sure. But I'm also a firm believer in in the spontaneous sometimes. Right. And we put that award show on, was it three or four weeks later? Yeah, less. I don't think it was less, but it was... Was it three weeks? It was three. It was, it was like four. three weeks. We even ordered a gigantic light bulb. Mm-hmm. And so we pulled off, and I'm not, this isn't just some hokey little... No, this was full send. <laughs> We called it the golden bulbs. Yes. Because the light bulb was our icon for our youth uh, ministry. Our youth ministry. And a few hundred kids come out, 200 kids come out, whatever it is, all in decked out in suits it was like and a tuxedos. Gala. Yeah. Man, we turned this thing into a gala. We had a red carpet. We had the photo wall. 
Um, we had an after party. Uh, we had uh, Stacy playing um, whatever that lady was that used to interview people on the yeah. red carpet. We had cameras roving. I mean, we we in three weeks' time were like, let's do it, and we did it. Custom awards, custom awards, yeah. yeah. All and then yes, custom music. We wrote our own songs for that. Yeah, bro. So I mean. I think going back to what you're saying is I, I do believe in being, I mean, you got to take risks. The wealthiest people in the world took risks. Yes. And sometimes they failed 15, 20 times. Yep. But you have to take risks. There's too many people playing it safe. So thank you for saying that. I I, I do try to make room for creativity and, and all of that. Um, do you have any final advice for an up and coming youth pastor or someone or a youth pastor who's in the trenches right now? Do you have any like last minute, like, Dude, just do these two things. This will help you. Yeah, two things. Um, the number one thing, not number, well, I guess number one, because I'm I'm saying it first, um, but build a leadership team with every age demographic. Okay. There, I've seen too many youth pastors think the way to success, having a successful leadership team, is having a bunch of 22-year-olds. Scary. And I love 22-year-olds, and they bring so much to the table, but they are lacking in other areas mm. that you so desperately need. Right. And so I have always done the best I, I could to have leaders, and I say leaders, I'm not lay, kind of volunteer sort of you know leaders. They're not paid staff. This, right. is, your, this is your team. Um, I've always done the best I could to have people all the way from like just fresh out of high school, 19 years old, all the way through people in their 70s, if right. I, you know, if I could. Um, and even older, you know, if someone's in their 80s and they wanted to be around for something, you know, obviously they can only offer so much, you know, but whatever they could offer, I take. Um, because when you're 30 or 25 and you're a youth pastor and you get a bunch of 21-year-olds looking at you, like you're like a lowercase g god, and none of them are going to push back on you. Right. Um, you don't have someone pulling you aside, man. I'll never forget, man. I had I had guys in their fifties and sixties, and and women in their sixties that would pull me aside and say, "Hey, I wanna, I wanna ask you a question. Have you thought this through? You know, or or or, man, w what are you doing here? A lot mm. of people have questions, you know. And so I always humbled myself to to listen to that. But as valuable as that is, and this maybe goes back to the dad episode, you know, when I didn't have a father in my life, right. To have some 55-year-old, 60-year-old man pull me aside when I'm 25, just kind of whisper in my ear, hey, man, just want to let you know you're killing it. Right. Man, I see what you're doing. I see the work you're doing. Mm. Man, you are, God's got a calling on your life, you know? Right. So to have that encouragement. Put the wind in your sail. Like yeah. That. So like when you're like 21, that feeds, I mean, I mean, when you have a 21-year-old saying that to you, that feeds you a different way. It's like, oh, that's cool, man. Ego. They think I'm yeah. the cool. It's an ego thing. But when you have a 59-year-old telling you that, it's, it's validating your ministry. It's validating everything, yeah. man. You know, and a 21-year-old kind of sort of has to say these things in some ways, you know, right. where the 59-year-old doesn't. He's right. literally saying it because he genuinely means it. I remember I had to lead a trip um, to Africa with, I think it was like 30 students. And there was adults on the trip, too. It's a lot of students. And I was 25, yeah. 26, maybe, like. I, first of all, I had never led a trip on my own before. Right. And then to lead a trip into another continent. You went to Ghana, right? I went to Ghana, Africa. And you told me, you said you can build your own team. Choose who you want as like, we. the church was going to pay for a couple people to go. Right. 
and I built my team and I, I chose, uh, Kobe DePaul, mm-hmm. who is from Ghana. That's, that's always helpful. That's a, a wise move. Like <laughs> right. I chose Kobe. But I cho- Kobe's probably 20 years older than you. Yeah. So I chose him. I chose Renee Mora and I chose Steve Walters and every step of the way, these guys were, they would pull me aside and they would encourage me or they, or I would pull them aside and say, Hey, I need to make a decision right now. Can right. you help me? And, um, they just really, they made me look like the hero Bro, in all oh, yeah. of these decisions yep. I was making. Yep. They were great leaders. Yeah. And they made me look like the, the, the cool guy, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, but I wouldn't have, I, we would not have had an, a successful trip without having people older than me right. helping me through that. All three of them, I believe are probably 20 to 25 years older than you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, man. And I don't know. It goes back to the cool thing. I think maybe some youth pastors don't think it's cool to have some guy showing up in a guy Harvey shirt and a pair of jeans or something, <laughs> right. and, you know, right. some boots, you know, but man, you know, and, but there is a fine line. I've also been on these fine arts trips and seeing other youth groups. And they're all led by like parents and the youth pastor and get on the bus, kid. Let's go. We're going to lunch. Let's go. Stop hitting little Bobby. And it's just like, oh my gosh, like, yeah. I can't imagine going away and being a 15 year old and just being yelled at by somebody's mom for oh God. seven days, you know? So there's definitely like that fine yeah. line. Cause that was the other thing I didn't do. And I, I agree with myself still okay. 20 years later, <laughs> I didn't bring a lot of parents on to my youth. No, stuff. you, you did not. I, anytime, cause a lot of parents, I just want to go to watch their kids to pay attention to see what their kids are doing. And so the only way you could be a parent and be a leader in my youth ministry was twofold. Um, one, you had to look me in the eye and say, when I'm with all these kids, all these kids are my kids, not just my kid. Right. Right. So, so you're not giving special favoritism or right. putting more attention on them. You're, you're, pa- you're parenting, pastoring, whatever, leading all of these kids. That was right. number one. But number two, I had to have some alone time with your student to ask them if it's okay for their mom and dad to serve. Right. That's huge. And so I could always tell, like I'd ask some kid, Hey, your mom wants to serve in youth ministry. <laughs> They're and like, like, no, <laughs> like that was it. Sorry. You can't serve. You right. Know? Even but if then, you're qualified. Y- you probably weren't qualified. That, that's my whole right. point, you know, is that the kid's so stressed out that now mom's going to be there. Right. Um, but the, but, but sometimes I'd have a kid say, you know what? My mom would be a fantastic addition to the staff. Wow. And it was like, I'm looking for. So we would probably have a handful of, of parents, probably any, if we had 40 leaders, you know, maybe eight to 10, 12. Had children in the, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is I would just say for, for young youth pastors, actually any youth pastor, leave competition. Probably any pastor. <laughs> any pastor. Leave competition for the sports field. Support other ministries. Okay. Um, again, I remember one time I was in line at uh, some event with all these churches and we had maybe the most significant youth ministry in that region of the country at the time. Okay. At least in our fellowship, our denomination, whatever you want to call it. Um, people knew who we were, but a lot of people didn't know who I was because I didn't, I wasn't always right the centerpiece of everything we were doing, like some youth pastors need to be. And so I was standing in line with this lady and I was actually a guest speaker for, it was a conference. She didn't know. And then um, she just asked me, like, oh, where you're at? I'm like, oh, well, you know, I'm up in Northern Virginia. She's like, well, well, where at? You know, and as I began to tell her, she's like, oh, wow. And her chance, her attention changed. And, uh, oh, man, you guys have like a thousand kids that go there or something, right? And I'm like, ah, you know, how many people, how many kids attend? Like, I don't know how many times I hear youth pastors. How many kids attend your church? How, how many? How many kids are in your youth group, right? And my answer was always the same, never enough. Right. You know? Sometimes I'd find out how many students lived within, you know, five mile radius, you know, and I'd say, well, there's, you know, 
there's 10 high schools and they all average 5,000 kids a high school. So, you know, not enough. Right. Until, until they're all in, you know, in a church somewhere, whether it's our church or someone else is not enough. And so the whole numbers game is just so, so pathetic. I, I, I remember so many times because of the way I carried myself, people didn't know I was over the significant ministry that they wouldn't pay me any mind until they found out who I was. Mm. I'm sitting there with this guy one time at this um, big fine arts festival and there's tens of thousands of students and youth pastors and all these youth pastors, a lot of them walking around like roosters, uh. you know, strutting <laughs> their stuff. Not all of them. There's some great right. youth pastors, but but a lot of them. And I'm standing, I'm standing there with this guy. I won't, I won't say his name, but nice guy. I'd known him from Palm, my Palm Beach days and he was at some church in like Kentucky and he brought like eight kids with him and just a smaller group, smaller team, smaller church. And But I always, I treated him the same way I would treat Johnny Wilson. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like whether you're overseeing 600 kids or six kids, like you're, we're right. both going to end up in heaven one day. Right. In case we're neighbors, you know, I want to make sure I'm treating you right, I guess. Um, and we're sitting there and he's like, oh, have you met so-and-so from this particular church? It was a significant fine arts church, which we were at the time. We were, at one point, I don't know what, where they're at now, but at one point we brought the most students of any church in the country to this event other than Orlando Faith. Mm. Um and and uh this guy walks by and he's like, Oh, have you met this guy? And I'm like, No, I'm like, I'll, I'll meet him. And this guy says, Hey, have you met Kevin Hockenberry? And uh and the guy doesn't even make eye contact no. with me, sticks his hand out no. to shake my hand, looking at someone else, shakes my hand, never looked at me once, and just kept walking. And I said, and and and, and I said to that guy, I said, Never, never be that youth pastor. Never be that pastor. Yikes, bro. Never be the guy that's such a narcissist you can't look someone in the eye because you never know whose eyes you're looking into. Right. And even if you're like getting to the next event or you're busy, just 10 seconds, bro. Hey, man, I got to get going. Nice to meet you, Kevin. Right. Let's get coffee sometime right. this week. What a jerk. Yeah, it's just a shame. And and um, and it's just it's one of those things that exists, this whole competition thing in youth ministry that it just, it makes no sense to me, more importantly churches that are in competition with each other makes no sense to the world mm. you know what i mean it's like yeah. someone who doesn't go to church and they see these pastors or churches being competitive with each other like it's just gross like what is that like that's why i don't go to church i right. thought you guys all played for the same team right um but anyway so that's it that's our look back at youth ministry um that's all i got you got anything else no i don't i think this is good i think this is helpful Maybe not for everybody. I mean, it's always a fun thing to to learn and listen and all that stuff. But um, I think I think if I was a, a youth pastor coming up, I think that this I think this would help me listening to this episode. Yeah, I, I would hope so. And any, any youth pastors that do end up listening to this that that would love to to take some time and man, I, I would love to take your phone phone call or email. We're easy to find, and I'll give you any nuggets I learned along the way in youth ministry. I definitely learned a lot of what to do and what not to do. So. Um, with that said, Anthony, you did uh, say something that was um, repulsive the other day to me. Anyway, oh, I'm so sorry. Forgive yeah. me. Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. I forgive you. Apologies, are Yes, <laughs> but you put ketchup on a hot dog. I, just not by itself. I mean, like, I'm not a kid. No, but I'm saying, but you actually grabbed the red tube and put that on your hot dog. And you eat it.